Welcome to the Financial Advisors Workshop, where Brian Castle, founder of Four Star Wealth in Chicago, interviews the most successful financial advisors in America to hear exactly how they grew their businesses to 100 million and beyond. Before we dive into the interview, please go to financialadvisorsworkshop.com and download your copy of our free guide on how to find ultra high net worth clients. Let's start the show. Here's Brian. Welcome everybody to today's episode of the Financial Advisors Workshop. Uh, this is where at Four Star we interview top people in our industry so we can all learn from each other. Uh, there, there isn't as much collaboration between advisors and firms in our industry. And so we're trying to foster that development and knowledge. And we get to meet some really great people. Like today, our special guest today is Jorge Padilla. And Jorge is originally from Spain, got a great story. Uh, he's a principal of a firm called Miera. And uh, let's uh, welcome Jorge uh, to the Financial Advisor Workshop. Oh, thank you, Brian, for having me and uh, looking forward to our conversation and sharing what the little things I've learned along the way. Excellent. Well, the, the, the thing that struck to, to me in, in reading the notes about our discussion today is the way you got in the industry is you just walked in the front door of a firm to get an internship and you just said, I'm here. I want to work. Yeah, thought, no, no, hey. no. <laughs> the story goes, I did not only walk, walked in and said, I want an internship. I even said, I want an internship and I would like a response within a week because I need to figure out which firm I'm going to choose. Otherwise, I'm going back to Spain. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Glad, glad it, worked, it worked out. Um, I was still in college at the time and just wanted to get practical experience on an industry that back home in Spain is not necessarily uh, well-developed because it's all done as part of the traditional private banking, large institutions. So not, not quite the same. That's so perfect. I was fortunate to have an internship, same firm that I'm still at. Uh, I, was, I was in college and uh, I knew I wanted to pursue the CFP certification at the time, I just wanted to make sure that the, you know, the, the practical industry experience and what is it like to be a financial advisor uh, made sense to me and uh, was something that I was truly passionate about. So uh, yeah, that was, uh, was all a success story. How old were you when you came from Spain? So I ended up coming uh, with a tennis scholarship uh, to, I did I did school at Winthrop University and uh, I was I was around 19. Uh, I did I did spend a little time after high school trying to play some pro tournaments uh, in Spain, tennis tournaments and stuff. It's uh, very competitive and, and tough. And, and the U.S. provides a great avenue for you to combine both, so continue playing at a very competitive level and still continue your studies. So, yeah, I must have been 19 when when I left. Oh boy! Here okay. and all the way from Spain to the the southern part of the U.S. So talk about cultural shock. <laughs> uh, we know and you're in Miami, and there's lots of Cubans, but that is a different culture completely than uh, from mainland Spain, right? There are a lot of Cubans, a lot of Colombians, and Peruvians. It's definitely a, a melting pot. You know, there's um, a lot of uh, South American, Central Americans around here. So very, very different. And it's all different from Spain. It's from Spain, but you know, closer definitely. Yeah, and you spent time in Portugal as well, right? Before you came. Um, 
did not spend time in Portugal. Um, the just went from Spain went came came to the Charlotte area to do college, and afterwards uh, moved down to Miami after graduating. Okay, so you went to Winthrop, and then while you were there, when did you go for the internship? Uh, in in uh, in like sophomore junior year or near the end? Of no, it was it was my last year of college, so uh, it was very close to the end. And then uh, got fortunate that five five six months after graduating, I was already working around close nearby in Charlotte, and um, you know our firm called me up saying, "Hey, uh, we were looking to hire now full time, and we thought of you after the internship. Would you like to move down?" And you know you're like. 21, 22, somebody calls you, hey, you want to move down to Miami with a job that you want to be doing? It's like, I'm there in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, so yeah, worked out. Excellent. So so you get you get in with the firm. And then let's talk a little bit about the evolution of the firm. You mentioned uh, the firm has grown nicely. There's been some rebranding. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on there. Yeah, so I've been I've been in the firm almost fifteen years uh, nowadays. I know that's uh, quite unusual to see that happening. Uh, so I think I've done pretty much every role that there is to do in the firm, maybe with the exception of some of the more administrative things of managing the office. But um, you know, done all the investment research, I've done all the investment operations, I've done all the client servicing, I've done everything there is to be done to working with clients from supporting advisors early on as I was getting my CFP experience requirement uh, to now you know, be a senior advisor and manage a team of other advisors as well and, and client service and making sure that we maintain the high level of personal service standard across the client base and our right. personalized uh, planning approach. Um, now also leading the, the investment strategy efforts and portfolio design for the portfolios across the firm. Um, eventually, you know, from like four years ago or so, becoming principal of the firm and working on the you know ownership succession internally as well. So lots of things that have happened over the years, technology changes, kind of leading a lot of conversion of technology, improving systems, improving processes. I think it's a it's a great example of what you can do if you have an entrepreneurial mindset within the same firm, not necessarily having to start something from scratch on your own somewhere else, right? And I've just been also fortunate to have, you know, my now business partner, but, you know, founder of the firm, Linda lubitz Boone, over the years, you know, having giving me that latitude or ability or trust to do, to take the lead on all those projects or initiatives and making the firm better, making, making sure that we are improving our service to clients and the things that we do. Nice. Now you mentioned to me that um, when you, when you thought of being a financial advisor and you came to the States, like if you tried to do that in Spain, it, it isn't as developed, right? What do they do in Spain that's different from here? Um, I think you could you could compare it to what somebody may get if they go to a um, a JP Morgan uh, private bank relationship, but at a much much lower asset or net worth level. But always, not always, but the majority of the times, there is a very um, strong insurance component or wrapper around things. So the 
independent channels or the independent structures and and platforms that are available in the U- in the US they are not as developed in in Spain and other countries and also right. the the planning aspect of things the holistic planning aspect of things and incorporating a true wealth planning approach that's not as common in Spain or other countries i mean just as an example Spain still not does not have a CFP mark for the country. There are a few European countries that do, but Spain is not one of them. Hmm. Interesting. And that's been as as I've looked around the world and traveled a lot, it's it seems that way that America really does have the most developed financial advisory industry, uh, where mostly it's kind of uh, congealed into a bank structure or something like that, and yeah. not as open for the individual. Uh, you have to be super wealthy, and if you don't have a lot of money, they just kind of ignore you. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. changing with technology, right? Like technology is leveling the playing field a lot uh, across the world. Uh, but yeah, the the countries that are more aligned and provide this, uh, definitely the U.S. Uh, leading on there. But uh, Australia and UK, and to some extent Canada, I think they are also very closely aligned in in providing similar services or structures and you know having a regulatory framework that is somewhat similar in giving structure to independent advisors to deliver advice that is on a fiduciary basis right yeah. right interesting well um, we're glad you're here and welcome uh, so so you started your career um, how did you get clients initially so initially it was mostly clients of the firm as I was Actually, this was very purposeful in that I, when I got, when I left college and even when I was looking for the internship, I did not want to go to a, like a typical wirehouse role where they will throw you to say, hey, go and call up your friends or call up whomever and cold call when you are 21, 22 years old. Plus, I came from a different country. I have no network. That is to me, just make no sense whatsoever. Like, what am yeah. I going to do to advise people that have wealth when I still haven't even experienced life to its full extent and I don't have the true experience? It's like a doctor, right? Like, why do doctors go through residency and practical experience? Well, they right. need to know how to apply the technical knowledge that they have that is taking years to get. So to me, it was very clear from the very beginning I wanted a place to be able to learn the business, learn how to provide advice, as well as learn all the technical aspects of it. And where at the beginning, the clients were all clients of the firm. Then over time, it's more, you know, the networking, the traditional ways of, okay, networking in the community and a lot of client referrals. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the things that I did earlier on was create a different model to work with children of clients. So nowadays, XY Planning Network has become very popular and having retainer fee models or some kind of different pricing for the younger you know, younger generation that are making a very good living, have ish planning issues, but they may not have the assets, but they have the ability and willingness to pay. So creating something different to especially you know, support or help clients children of clients that are doing relatively well. And from there, you know, obviously it can grow from other client referrals from there, right? Right. So that's kind of how I started, um, develop, you know, growing a little bit the client base on my own. 
So tell, tell us a little bit about the children and, and uh, of, of the families. Why, why would you work with them and, and uh, how was it to work with them? Um, so the, the, there is a huge opportunity in, in our industry for having advisors that as they are growing in their career, they can tap or they can connect with the children of wealthy clients mm-hmm. at a different level that, you know, an older advisor will not do, you know, it's not, it's not about, you know, just, uh, just the reality of different life stages and being able to relate. Uh, right. So I think that there is a big opportunity there because as, as those wealthy clients pass away or they may help the children if you already have an existing relationship with the children, it's just almost from a business point of view, it makes a ton of sense. And if you can find a model that you can serve them in a cost-effective way that works both ways, then, you know, over time, that that younger client could end up becoming a millionaire sooner or later without even, you know, it because most of the times they may lead successful careers as well. Plus inheritance could happen along the way. Sure. And I think another benefit that I've enjoyed a lot is being able to uh, navigate the family dynamics. You know, obviously mm-hmm. for for a family that maybe has a very simple financial picture, you know, maybe less than a million dollars in assets, everything is in a few accounts, not not many, just their home and things like that. There's not a lot of family dynamic issues that may may be uncovered. But when you're dealing with you know, five million or above net worth clients, and you may have different properties, and you may have different kinds of assets. Then the family dynamics become a little bit more important, and being able to know the parents and the children, and how to navigate that, and still, you know, put put some wall a little bit on what what I speak or what I talk with the parents stays here. What I speak, what I talk with the children stays here. But at the same time, trying to integrate that to the benefit of the family, I think there's a lot of value there to be created. Kind of a, you know, maybe the, in a family office structure, you, it's a, a lot more normal to do that. Maybe for IRAs, uh, it's something to incorporate and learn how to do better. Right. Very interesting. And then have you had any family cycle through where the uh, heirs of the family ended up inheriting some of those assets? Maybe many a, times. Yeah? yeah? Yeah, many times. Excellent. Well, good. So, so you get involved and you're working with firm clients, but then you do referral work and then you build another client from that as well. Um, Actually, I would say, you know, to similar to the working with the children, there's been quite a nice number of children of clients that we started working with because of that transition, right? So it's, that the, the the parents or the original client having worked with us for a long time and the children, once they get to deal with us or work with us in handling the inheritance is making them see the value that we could bring to their financial life and then retaining that relationship over time. And it's not just, you know, money or it's a, it's a client that goes away because it passed away, but rather it continues to be a, a client of the firm. It's just it has transitioned to the next generation. So that right. I think that's another way of 
incorporating new clients that, you know, retaining business, but hey, they may have personal assets of their own that they could bring or over time you could help with as well. Fascinating. So um, how has the firm grown then in the last 15 years? Give us some historical uh, account. And then you also mentioned uh, some changes in the firm and rebranding. So let's talk about the growth and then where you are now. So when I joined, uh, the firm must have been um, below 100 million uh, in assets. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were uh, just two advisors in the firm. So there were about four or five people. Now we are six people, soon to be seven. We have four CFPs. We have nearly 250 million in assets. So not a very strong um, aggressive growth, but it's always been a purposeful growth, just organic by referral only. So that's without a very aggressive and strong marketing uh, process. So that that will be changing over time as we try to create the infrastructure to scale the, the practice. So uh, talking about that a little bit in the past few years, as we have, as the founder has transitioned more towards uh, non-business critical roles and the day-to-day running of the operation, uh, we have a CEO running most of the operation of the firm and helping with all the strategic planning me as principal, kind of in charge of all the investment planning and client operations and managing all that process. And, you know, throughout that strategic planning, realizing that, hey, maybe especially given the pandemic and all the social experiment that we all have gone through, where we are rethinking our lives, how we want to live it, where we want to spend time, uh, how we want to work. It, it was the perfect opportunity to take a step back and think about the next 10 years for the firm, what it looks like. So we took that opportunity as as a time to do that for the firm and then go ahead and rebrand. So we essentially, we the firm used to be named the Lubitz Financial Group. They bear the, the founder's last name. So we wanted to project the image that is not, is not only the founder working in the firm anymore and in the next five years, perhaps, Maybe the founder is not involved working with clients and there is a team of advisors that work with clients. So we wanted to begin planting those seeds and you know, having an image that resonates with the brand, the type of culture that we have. We purposefully um, chose the name to reflect the, the fact that it was a woman that founded the firm. So Mira is uh, the feminine name of Meir, and it stands for somebody who brings light or illuminates others. So mm-hmm. we like to think uh, of ourselves as, you know, somebody that helps our clients uh, in navigate the, the difficulties of their financial challenges and gives them clarity and, and light into that process, uh, into their goals, you know, connecting and aligning that with their goals. Um, so that, you know, was was definitely a, uh, long process to do that of uh, rebranding website, rebranding all the materials, but uh, communicating to the clients what it meant and what why we're doing it. Um, but you know, it's, it was very well received uh, by all clients because they they understand that it was a well thought out uh, reasoning and it was planned very purposefully. So now the challenge always when you do the branding, rebranding is communicating all of that to the community that, you know, 
especially when the company has been around for 25 years, is okay. Sure. It's making sure that the entire community knows that the new game, but it's still the same business. It's not like we sold or anything like that. Sure. So Mira um, is uh, is based in what? How do we describe the name that you that you've all picked? Um, it's based. So it Mira is a feminine name. It's a, it's a Jewish. It's a Hebrew feminine name, and it's just it, the meaning behind it is what attracted us uh, to represent. Yeah, the company was founded by a woman, and also you know what it stands for the bearer or the giver of light or someone who eliminates others. So that's kind of the rationale why why we chose it. Okay. So that's how the, and what was the process you went through? How many names did you consider? And Oh boy, <laughs> a huge list of names. Everybody that's trying to, that has tried ever to put a name on a firm that they want to start, a company want to start, knows it's, it's very challenging to put a name without putting your personal name or last name in it. Um, the logo that we have also was an interesting process in, in trying to capture um, why, do, why do we do what we do? And right. we, we have this intersection of circles of, of trying to, it is a, a projection of, the, of a Japanese concept of ikigai, which is a purpose, purpose of being, or a purpose of doing things. And it's what we're trying to illustrate there is we want to attract people in our firm, in our culture, that want to be doing things that are aligned with uh, their purpose, what they're good at, what they're passionate about, uh, where they can create an impact, and you know where they can have fun doing things. You know, right. we want to uh, make sure that that is what uh, all culture stays like that for for many years to come. And you know, we are very protective of that, of our core values in that way. Sure. Interesting. Now you've talked a little bit about now that you've done the rebranding, you're transitioning some assets and clients from the founder to others. Let's talk about that. Like, how has that gone, and uh, why is it happening? And yeah, so I um, very early on, um, as I started working with clients directly about ten years ago, eleven years ago, I started seeing. You know what works, what doesn't work in transition client relationships. So, meaning me coming into a client relationship that uh, Linda has always had for years, and you know what's best practices in doing that. Fast forward many years, uh, I've seen that happen, or you know I've even created processes to to introduce advisors to the team that works with the client. So we've always been very purposeful in having a team-based approach with our client relationships. Not maybe not, not maybe not all of them, but in trying to get some segmentation, but the majority of them have two advisors assigned plus the client services person in supporting that client relationship with the idea that um, the client knows that if the senior or lead advisor is not available, there is another advisor that knows their personal situation. There's another advisor that could provide some level of support, advice, or counsel if things come up on a day-to-day -day basis without yeah. necessarily having the lead advisor involved. So over the years, the goal has always been to transition 
uh, relationships away from Linda as the founder and the one that has always had that trust with the clients and transfer that trust to the new advisory team or the next generation. So for many years, it's been me. For other years, it's been uh, other advisors in the firm. So currently, it's also working on transitioning many of those relationships away from Linda and to the other advisors that we have in the team. Right now, um, you know, we, we're probably going to be accelerating that process in the next few years as uh, Linda continues to transition out of a lot of having a lot of client load. Um, but, you know, the process is still the same, is being purposeful and in introducing that new advisor to the team, know, the, letting the client know that the lead advisor or the person that they've worked with already for years is not going away so that they know there's somebody that they can trust and gradually show how the new member of their advisory team can add value to them, can be supportive, can be there taking care of the details and building that trust, right? Like trust is something that, you know, sometimes, yes, there is the first impression that you can create a lot of trust by by that those moments, but at the same time, it can take time to build, right? And that personal rapport and that personal relationship. So just by being purposeful in those interactions, uh, you know, over time, then those transitions are more successful and less likely for a client to feel that they're just being passed off to somebody else and not, you know, they're not being cared for or not being being paid attention to. So it's it's kind of maintaining those high level of standards of excellence and work, you know, experience to the clients. And, you know, that creates relationships that, last for many, many years and majority of the times, decades. Nice. And you mentioned also before about the Diamond Team concept, the Angie Herbers, and how you've integrated some of those concepts. Describe yeah. a little for us and then and then how you've in, in, integrated that into the Mira firm. Yeah, so, so that's something that the last few years we've had a little bit more present as we've had more advisors in the team. And we will continue to have that as a as a framework in having in structuring the 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 team to work with clients that way. So having the senior or lead advisor uh, oversee the team of the two support advisors, and then though that's still supported by somebody that is more junior, perhaps somebody that is working towards the CFP. So that way, um, clients don't get all of a sudden a new face that comes from outside that right. may or may not be culturally aligned or may or may not know uh, how to deliver the same level of experience or, or service. Um, mm-hmm. By doing this transition from the inside and progression, clients can feel that they've worked with the same person for many years, creating more you know loyalty of their business and you know feeling that they're cared for, they're not just passed out to somebody else. Um, So looking to, you know, our our current client service person is now going through the CFP. So to get to that bottom level support structure within the Diamond team with the hopes or expectations that over time can grow into a full advisor. And then from there, you know, can grow to senior advisor if it so he so desires. And, you know, same thing, we're looking to hire another another person on that uh, support level uh, diamond team structured to so that 
we can continue to grow and build capacity and over time you know let have another another senior advisor to create more capacity for new clients and continue that process on so i think it's a very good framework um, to align where each advisor or each employee or part of the team is and align that with the complexity that the clients have because mm-hmm. you're not going to put most of the times a junior person to work with your most complex complicated clients so that way it's a good it's a good process to build up that experience over time in a very uh, natural and organic way nice well, you also had talked to us a little bit about your hybrid work model, and that's changed your business a little bit too. And that has to do probably uh, with the lockdowns uh, that went through and 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 all that. So, um, how has that shaped your business, and how does that how does that operate today? Mm-hmm. The hybrid work model. Yeah. So uh, right now we have one of our advisors who is based in West Palm Beach. So. You know, we are based in Miami, um, so think about an hour and a half drive or so. Right. And then the rest of us are based in Miami, but we're not coming to the office every day. We're coming as a, on an as-needed basis or when we feel like we need that workspace or we are meeting clients. Right. Uh, the truth of the matter is uh, Linda, the founder, has lived a bi-coastal life for many, many years. So in a way... We were already with a framework of, of having a somewhat of a remote environment because she will have a home in California, work there one or two weeks a month. So then I, we need to be prepared to, to do things on a web-based manner or not necessarily in person. But I think the key part that made us uh, transition to all this is having the right technology structure yes. where it's easy to operate from anywhere from uh, very well-built processes in web-based platforms, integrations within those platforms. And I think the most important part that I I feel it has made the biggest difference, especially to preserve the culture and the communication between the team, is having a easy-to-use and interactive internal communication system. So uh, a few years before the pandemic, we had incorporated Slack to communicate every every day internally. And uh, once the pandemic hit and we needed to work from our offices, not only we had the systems in place to operate web-based, but also we had the internal messaging system to communicate regularly. And we started having um, like daily check-ins of the team together. So that, you know, obviously is never gonna replace the, the water cooler conversations that may happen in an office, but at least on a daily basis, we are all connecting at least once with each other um, and sharing gratitudes or sharing what is it that we're doing that day. So I think that um, it's definitely what has helped the most in, in maintaining a, the culture and a good structure in a, a now in a hybrid mode, right? And then from here, it's about rethinking how we work every day. You know, right. who works best at home, who works best in the office, uh, understanding that sometimes clients will prefer to do Zoom or just a phone call or will prefer to meet in person. And how can we cater to the client's need better 
now that we have a more flexible arrangement to work with. So nice, nice. I think client wins um, and employees, and uh, we win, right? So yes, it sounds like you have a great plan and and uh, very thoughtful approach to transition, and uh, you're a holistic uh, financial planning firm and really help people out, and that's really it's a credit to the industry. That's really what we're supposed to be doing is really helping folks out and and doing the best efforts for them in a service way that they're comfortable with. And it sounds like you really have that nailed. So congratulations and thanks for thanks for hearing us here on the Financial Advisor Workshop, Jorge. Um, you know, we um, have a little platform here on this podcast and video series. And as you know, the videos will be seen all over social media and little video clips, including TikTok. So um, given the platform, yeah. So it's exciting, given this platform, is there any other uh, like final message you'd like to give our brethren in the financial advisor industry? That's who will see this, of course. Our our colleagues, uh, people you might run into at a conference somewhere or whatever, they'll 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 see you and know you. So, what would you like to say to that group of people today besides what you said already? Uh, I, I would say that uh, we we have the potential and and the ability to impact clients' lives in so many ways. And we're blessed to be able to do that and be invited to their lives in the way we are. Um, and, you know, that's the reason of that I continue to work the way I work. It, as I'm passionate for the industry and the potential on working with a group of people that believe the same, that, you know, we're here to make a positive impact in clients' financial lives. And I think we're having the right mindset, you know, there. There isn't doesn't really matter too much what model you have or how you are operating. Uh, as long as you have that aligned, um, you know there's a lot of uh, value that we can bring to clients and their lives with what we do. It's a great it's a great message, and and clearly you know we do have uh, the ability to really change lives uh, from our experience in financial planning and guiding people through volatile markets like we're through right now and. So uh, this is thank where you. it gets challenging and, and it gets fun <laughs> and where the biggest impact happens. That's right. That's right. Because many people, given their own uh, devices without any study, might make some serious mistakes at times like now. And, and it's great that you're there to protect them and, and there to help them and then give them good, solid advice, even in a, a rough environment where we can't control all the outcomes. But we can certainly control how we respond to it. The, the biggest I think one of the biggest differences is uh, when when you've gone through the process with somebody, with a client of identifying what's important to them and it's during these difficult times, the ability to remind them that that's what they said it was important to them. And if they make these changes reacting to things that are coming at them, you know, they may put in jeopardy those things that are truly important to them by those decisions. Yeah. So I think that created that accountability and having the ability to have those frank discussions with them to make sure yeah. clients continue to stay aligned with what they said is important and not just get derailed by the emotional reactions of the moment. Um, that's exactly. what our true value is. It really is. Well, great. Well, thanks again for being with us today. We appreciate your comments and uh, we look forward to watching your firm grow and see how you continue to serve clients and in a very honorable profession, being a financial advisor. Thank you, Jorge, for being with us Thank today. You. And the
financial Thank you, advice. Brian. Thank, Thank you, you for having me. All right. Absolutely. Thanks again, everybody. We'll be back with another tremendous interview on the Financial Advisors Workshop. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the ideas shared here, please subscribe to the show and leave us a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify and share this episode with anyone you think will also find value here. Please send us your follow-up questions at financialadvisorsworkshop.com. And while you're there, download our guide on how to find ultra high net worth clients. And if you're a financial advisor looking for more freedom, higher margins, and better training, please set up a consultation to hear more about joining our team by going to fourstarwealth.com slash advisors. All right, thanks for listening. And until the next financial advisor workshop, keep on growing everyone.